Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, March 29th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got a little Orioles news and notes podcast for you here on a Tuesday. We're going to break down some of the further roster cuts the Orioles made from big league spring training, sending some players who I thought maybe had a chance to make the major league roster down to minor league camp. We'll talk about how that changes some of the races heading through camp for some of the final spots on the 28th player opening day roster and then we'll talk about specifically Monday's spring training game against the Phillies because to be honest it was a pretty exciting one where guys like D.L. Hall really showed out for the Orioles then we'll talk a little bit more news and notes including the starting pitcher market for the Orioles as another name is off the board not signed by Baltimore is it too late for them to sign another starting pitcher we'll talk about all that on today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we'll get to all of our Orioles news and notes in just a second. But first, just wanted to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. That is Apple Podcasts. That is Spotify. That is Google Pods. Wherever you listen, Stitcher even. All those podcast platforms, we thank you for listening. If you are a listener on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, five-star rating if you can, and a review. That really, really helps out the podcast. If you're on Spotify, five-star rating really helps. And of course, the podcast, as you can see right here, we're on YouTube now as well. Every single episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast will be uploaded to our YouTube page, Locked on Orioles. So make sure to subscribe on YouTube if you're watching right now. Like the video, leave a comment, give me your thoughts about you know some of these players we're going to talk about today getting sent back to minor league camp. And uh, specifically, if you are on YouTube, make sure to check out yesterday's episode. That was Monday's episode where I tried my first crack at predicting the Orioles' 28-player opening day roster. Get in the comments on that video. Let me know how you think I did and who you think will be on the Orioles' opening day roster. But Again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And, you know, speaking of yesterday's roster prediction, I'm already 0 for 1 on my opening day roster predictions because unless there's some serious injuries, we had a player sent down to minor league camp today who I had predicted onto the opening day roster. It was a bit of a stretch of a prediction, but... I went for it. And that player was Kyle Bradish. And that leads us into the Orioles making further roster moves to send players from big league camp and assigning them to minor league teams. And it wasn't as big of a list as it was a couple days ago over the weekend, but it was still some prominent players for the Orioles. Actually, four top 30 prospects were sent down to minor league camp. So it starts with Kyle Bradish who actually pitched pretty well in Monday's game against the Phillies. Two scoreless innings. He now has four scoreless on spring training so far. Stuff looked good, but I get it. He hasn't been in the big leagues yet. He spent most of the year, though, last year at AAA, but Michael Elias talked to the media on Monday. It made it seem like, obviously, the plan is to have Bradish up in the big sooner rather than later, but wants to continue to stretch him out into those innings as the minor league season starts. They also sent Alexander Wells down to AAA Norfolk, and he is no longer in big league camp. And again, for Wells, that was a guy who you know I really like, and I've talked about on this podcast, but yesterday in the roster prediction, 
I didn't predict him on the roster just because he's kind of the youngest of that middle group of starting pitchers, Kramer, Aiken, Lowther, Wells, all those guys. He's only 24, and I know he got to the big leagues at the end of last year with some of those other guys, but I just think because of the age thing, because of the, the way he pitches, he could use some more time as just a AAA starter, so was not surprised by that move. Then you had D.L. Hall sent down to minor league camp. That was probably the least surprising one of all. I mean, we know with Hall... Only pitching in double-A for the first couple months last year, getting injured, missing the rest of the season. There was no way he was starting on the big league roster. Even though a couple weeks ago, Mike Elias did say, you know, D.L. Hall could be up sooner than you think. But he made his big league camp debut on Monday against the Phillies, and he absolutely dazzled. And we will get to that in a little bit. But, I mean, he was throwing 100, 1-2-3 inning with a couple of strikeouts. Stuff looked good from D.L. Hall, but again, not surprising. Now, he did get assigned to double-A Bowie. Most of these guys get assigned to triple-A Norfolk. He got assigned to Bowie. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a couple of starts at Bowie to start the year. Now, the Orioles are saying they're actually going to keep Hall in Sarasota past opening day because he was on the 40-man roster this offseason, so he couldn't you know, have contact with the Orioles. It kind of put his didn't put his rehab behind, but they just didn't get to work with him as much as they would have liked to. So he's going to stay in Sarasota a little bit longer, continue to build up. I still wouldn't be surprised if he went to Bowie, maybe made two starts for the Bay Sox. He's obviously too good for Bowie, and then he'll go to Norfolk, and you know we'll see how the Orioles want to use him from there. And then the last guy is Yusniel Diaz, who has kind of been the breakout star of this spring training. He's been red hot after an abysmal 2021, and he's been reassigned to AAA Norfolk as well. And, you know, go back and listen to yesterday's episode, the opening day roster prediction. But, you know, I predicted DJ Stewart as the final outfielder over Tyler Nevin and Yusniel Diaz, despite Diaz's really hot spring. And with Stewart, you know, getting hit by a pitch on the hand, he hasn't really played in, you know, four or five days now. But the reason I said that is because with this hot start, I want Yusniel Diaz to continue this momentum. You know, he still hasn't played in the big leagues. Let's get him some regular ABs at AAA Norfolk. He didn't even get that. So instead of him being, you know, the 27th or 28th guy, the fifth outfielder, you know, barely playing, basically being a pinch hitter, starting once a week, maybe twice, send him to Norfolk where he can start five days a week and maybe more in the outfield, get his reps, get regular at-bats, and see if he can turn this hot spring training into something more continuing on, starting a hot streak, and then maybe we can look at him, you know, middle of the summer to come up to Baltimore. But I'm I'm behind the move to send Diaz down. But those were the four guys who the Orioles sent down to minor league camp. So you kind of look around and 44 guys now in big league camp. You got to cut it down to 28. I think there's some guys that aren't really on the roster bubble, although Michael Elias did say to the media Monday that everybody left in camp. He said, now the camp is down to 44 players. He said, everybody left in big league camp right now is in some sort of roster battle. Now, I would argue that there are definitely some guys who aren't exactly in that battle. Like, Kyle Stowers is still in big league camp. As much as it would be awesome for him to be on the opening date roster... The outfield's too crowded, and if Yusniel Diaz is going down, Stowers is probably starting the year in AAA as well. You never know, but with Hayes, with Mullins, Santander, McKenna, and then Stewart and Nevin as well, I don't see it happening for Stowers. But if Michael Elias is saying he's in a battle, maybe he's in a battle, but you know he's one of the guys where I'd kind of cross off the list. You have another guy in, in maybe like a Connor Green who got lit up for four runs, two homers on Monday. Just doesn't seem to be quite ready yet. 
he'll be in the AAA bullpen if he stays with the organization. So not a guy I'm really factoring in. You know, you have a you have a catcher in in Bo Taylor. Yeah, he's technically in the roster battle, but it feels like the backup catcher job is between Ben Boom and Nottingham right now. So it, it's kind of those guys. So when you trickle it down, you know, you cut off maybe five guys or so. You're under 40 players pretty much competing for 28 spots, but there definitely are still some battles going on as Mike Elias talked about. But that's what big league camp looks like now. Four well-known names uh, down to minor league camp. But four guys who I think, all four of those players I mentioned that are going down, Bradish, Alexander Wells, D.L. Hall, and Yusniel Diaz. Elias talked about it Monday too. I think all four of those guys will be in the big leagues, hopefully. Not hopefully, I think they will be. Hopefully for long stretches of time, will be in the big leagues with the Orioles at some point in 2022. But, you know, Obviously came as a little bit of a surprise to people with Diaz hitting well and also with D.L. Hall just pitching so well and then being sent down. But that was something that you, you kind of knew was going to happen uh, even after the good performance in Monday's spring training game. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Monday's spring training game in just a bit. But first, our next partner and sponsor of this podcast has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health. It's something that I've had a little bit of an issue with. More energy as well. You know, got to bring the energy to this podcast. It's your team every day. We're coming to you five days a week. Got to bring the energy. And Athletic Greens, it's a supplement that tastes great as well. So I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, I'm putting something in my body that might be good for me, but, you know, trying to somehow get it down. No, no, no. It's healthy. It's good for you. And it tastes good. So what is this stuff? That's the real question. People see something like Athletic Greens. What is it? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally everything it helps out. It's lifestyle friendly. Any diet you're on, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, keto, you can use Athletic Greens as well. And it's not a huge investment. It costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health with Athletic Greens. So to make it real easy, it's, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, as well as just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So someone who might need, you know, some nutritional insurance heading into 2022, a couple of guys we've talked about on this episode already. One, Yusniel Diaz, need him to stay healthy. Two, D.L. Hall, need him to stay healthy. And a couple of guys who have, you know, struggled a little bit with that in their career. I don't think it's like this giant problem, but it's something that they struggled with a little bit over the last couple of seasons. But those two guys, you know, had another good day, especially D.L. Hall in his spring training debut on Monday. And it's interesting because I'm not going to come on this podcast every day for the next two weeks and, and break down spring training games. But, you know, Brandon Hyde talked after this game uh, Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun, wrote a good story where you know, the Orioles lost this spring training game 7-1 to to the Phillies. 
But Brandon Hyde said, you know, this is this was fun today. And it, and it was fun to, to watch the Orioles. They were on the Phillies broadcast, so I was able to, to log on and watch that one. And and it was fun, you know, and, and some names who you need to, to keep an eye on. Now, two of the names we already talked about, Kyle Bradish and D.L. Hall, both pitched in this game and both did get option to minor league camp after the game. But both impressed. We'll start with Bradish, who pitched the third and fourth innings. Uh, two scoreless, allowed two hits, three Ks, and two walks. Thought his fastball looked good. The off-speed stuff was solid from Bradish again after he had the two good scoreless innings against the Yankees last Wednesday. And again, you know, with this move, looks like he won't be on the opening day roster like I predicted him to be the number five starter on Monday's episode. But I think he's got a clear path to getting into this rotation by May for the Orioles. And that feels like a good thing. And, you know, it, it's just great to see guys like that performing in big league spring training games. And then there's D.L. Hall. I mean, talk about impressing in big league camp. He comes out there after the, you know, elbow stress fracture that he had, the surgery, not pitching for over six months. Comes back throwing this spring, said he's going to be ready for opening day, and finally gets into a big league camp game on Monday. And he comes into this game in the sixth inning. And now he wasn't facing Harper, Hoskins, Schwarber, Castellanos, or anything like that in the Phillies lineup, but he was still facing all three guys he faced have been in the big leagues, and some of them are going to be on the Phillies opening day roster, including... Mickey Modiak, who was the former number one pick in 2016, and Hall just mowed through him. He actually almost hit a batter with his first pitch, a fastball up and in, but then he gets a strikeout on a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, gets a strikeout on a 99.6-mile-per-hour fastball, and then gets a fly ball to center. Slider looked good. Out of the second batter he faced, he started the at-bat, slider for a called strike, then a slider down in a way that he got a swing and miss on, threw it from a ball to a strike, threw it from a strike to a ball, worked out well. I mean, this is probably the most exciting thing that any Oriole player has done in spring training just because it's D.L. Hall. He's the Orioles' number three prospect, and he looked so good. And, you know, you had the Phillies broadcasters, Tom McCarthy, the great voice of the Philadelphia Phillies on TV, talking about D.L. Hall and talking about how he's a top prospect, and obviously a lot of people know who he is. And McCarthy mentioned the name Josh Hader, which has been mentioned before concerning D.L. Hall. Like, you know, the Orioles still want to have him as a starter, but... A lot of people project that he'll be Josh Hader, you know, a hard-throwing lefty who comes out of the pen, pitches the ninth, maybe the eighth and the ninth, and becomes a legitimate lockdown closer in Major League Baseball. And when the Orioles are good, they're going to need a guy like that. And it would be great if D.L. Hall is that guy, but I still think he's got aiming higher, and I'm aiming higher for him, and I know he's aiming higher than that, and I still think he's going to be a really good starting pitcher. You know, I hear you're Josh Hader, and I raise you a Blake Snell for the comparison to D.L. Hall. Yeah, maybe he's not getting seven, eight innings every start, but he's giving you five or six legitimate dominant innings every time he goes out there. That's better than one dominant inning, you know, every other day. So I'm still on top of that, and I mean, Hall just looked fantastic. The slider, the fastball, the velocity, everything. Just so good to see him back out there healthy. Again, the Orioles are going to extend him out, keep him in Sarasota for a little longer past opening day. He'll probably go to Bowie, make a start or two, then he'll go right to Norfolk, join the rotation, and hopefully, as Mike Elias said, we'll see him sooner rather than later this year in the big leagues. But another guy, another couple of guys, honestly, who we saw pitch, how about Dean Kramer? He started this game for the Orioles and, and stretched out a little bit. Went three innings through about 60 pitches. Three runs, five hits. And he gave up two homers. Yeah, one was to Castellanos. One was to Schwarber. They're going to hit their homers. That's what they do. But here's the big thing for Dean Kramer. You know, you don't want to give up home runs, but 
it's a part of the game of baseball right now. You know, home runs aren't the worst thing. One of them was a solo shot. One was a two-run homer. You're trying to, you know, avoid the big home runs. Five strikeouts, no walks in three innings against a pretty good-looking Phillies lineup that had most of their regulars in there. I liked what I saw from Dean Kramer today. And again, I know it's spring training. But, you know, I talked about when I predicted the opening day roster, I thought Kyle Bradish would get that final starting spot. And, you no, know, my prediction had the Orioles taking 14 pitchers and 14 hitters. But I did say, if the Orioles take a 15th pitcher and go with 15 and 13 on the initial 28-player opening day roster, I said Dean Kramer would be that 15th pitcher I would have picked. Well, now you look with Kyle Bradish down in minor league camp, and I had him pegged as my number five starter. You know who I'm going to slot into that spot now? Because, you know, Bradish is down in minor league camp. He's not going to make the team. Give me Dean Kramer to replace Bradish as the number five starter on that list. The cutter looked good. The fastball was in the mid-90s, some of the best velocity we've seen from Kramer. He threw a couple of really good-looking change-ups on the day, which is really impressive. The big curveball is obviously always there for Dean. I really liked what I saw out of Kramer in Monday's spring training game. And with Bradish out of that slot, I'm going to slot Dean Kramer right in there as my number five starter. And uh, maybe this is opening day roster prediction 2.0 after 1.0 in yesterday's episode, but... I liked what I saw from Kramer. Then the last guy, the last pitcher I wanted to just mention is CNL Perez, who quietly has thrown five scoreless innings in spring training, and he threw a nice-looking inning with two strikeouts, one hit, no runs allowed. And this is a guy who I put in the opening day roster prediction, and you know maybe some people are overlooking him because Paul Fry, Tanner Scott, still on this roster, still lefties in the bullpen. And then you look at a guy like Keegan Aiken and Zach Lowther. Will they be in the bullpen as lefties as well? And you just think that's too many lefties. Plus, with all the lefties that are going to be in the starting rotation with Means and Zimmerman and potentially Lowther, as we talked about. But at the end of the day, Perez is getting guys out. He's been a big league pitcher for the last three years. Orioles claimed him off waivers from the Reds before the lockout. I honestly think, you know, I didn't have him in the locks for the roster. I had nine pitchers as the locks. He wasn't one of them. He's getting close to there. I think the Orioles are going to be fine with carrying three lefty relievers. If they're good, Scott's been good. Paul Fry's been good, not at the end of the last year, but he's been good. And Perez is showing that he can get guys out. Keep them on the roster. If he can get guys out, I don't care how many lefties versus righties you have in the bullpen. If they can get guys out, that's what the Orioles need right now. And so I'm all in for CNL Perez being on that roster, and he was another guy who showed out in the spring training game. And again, the Orioles lost 7-1. to one. They got two hits. One of them was a Tyler Nevin home run, who is kind of also in a roster battle now. Yusniel Diaz down to minor league camp. He might be fighting with DJ Stewart for a final outfield spot. Guess what? DJ Stewart still on the mend with that bruise to his hand after getting hit by the pitch. Nevin hits an opposite field home run. Maybe he's got an inside track. You never know. I really like Tyler Nevin. He can play first, third, right field, left field. Plays good defense. Hits the ball well. Son of a big leaguer. Maybe he, you know, is, is stretching that out. And that's why, you know, Brandon Hyde talked about on Monday how exciting that game was. You know, they got all these prospects in the infield. They had Kobe Mayo playing first base, made a great play. Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz. That was the four they had in the infield late in that game. And that's a, that's a who's who of Orioles prospects. I mean, that's got to be fun to see those guys out there all together, you know, with D.L. Hall on the mound. I mean, that was awesome. And they didn't get to do anything because Hall was striking everybody out. But that was just you kind of got a glimpse into the future right there. And that's what was so cool about that spring training game. So I don't care about the final score. I'm with Brandon Hyatt. That was fun in Monday's spring training game.
with Monday's game being fun, it was because there was some good pitching out there from the Orioles. But we know, in general, they're still struggling with the pitching. So the question for the Orioles kind of becomes right now, who are the starting pitchers on this team? Because Bradish goes down and Hall goes down. And I think we're on board with Means and we're on board with Zimmerman. We're on board with Jordan Lyles, obviously, because the Orioles gave him some money. But you kind of look at the free agent market and you say, do the Orioles need to go get another guy? Because behind that, you know, Lowther, Kramer, Aiken, Bauman, all in the mix right now, I would say. You know, with Alexander Wells down, that's kind of your group. Chris Ellis, maybe too. And then if they're stretching back out, Tyler Wells and Jorge Lopez, maybe they're in the plans. Maybe Tyler Wells is going to be in the starting rotation. I could see it. But I would like to see the O's sign another starting pitcher. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is because a pitcher who I really thought would fit perfectly for the Orioles. And actually, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I've mentioned this guy, I think, at least the last two off seasons and potentially more than that for the Orioles to sign. And and that was Chris Archer, who on Monday evening signed a one-year $3.5 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. And it's a Twins team that is, you know, kind of struggling to get starting pitching. Obviously, they signed Carlos Correa, and the lineup looks good, but they still need some starters, no doubt about that. But I do think, you know, at the end of the day, one year, $3.5 million, that would have been kind of perfect for the Orioles. And I liked the Chris Archer fit, you know, coming off an injury, not the same pitcher he was when he was an ace with the Rays, but knows how to pitch in the AL East. I thought it would kind of be perfect, and the Orioles didn't do it. And I get that they have a lot of innings to go around with all these young starters, and they want to get a look at all these guys, but at the end of the day, I think they need another starting pitcher. I've been saying this since the Jordan Lyles signing. I was like, great, you brought in a veteran guy who can pitch 200 innings, but it's not like Jordan Lyles has been a great pitcher over the last couple of years. You need other guys. The question is, Who's out there? And, and and these are some names we've talked about. But, you know, like a Johnny Cueto, he can still help a team. He's 36, but he helped the Giants last year, the best team in baseball in the regular season. He can still help a baseball team. Go get Johnny Cueto for one year. Brett Anderson's still out there, 34-year-old lefty. Never been an ace type, but always just a good veteran to have in the rotation. Jay Happ, I get he's 39, and I get he was terrible in Minnesota last year, but when he got traded to the Cardinals late in the year, he was still pretty good. He throws a lot of strikes. There's not a lot of other great names. I mean, Jose Urania kind of had a bad year in Detroit, but he's only 30. He could rebound. You know, there's guys out there for the Orioles to go get. And all these guys I mentioned, they're not going to, you know, need more than a one-year deal. I honestly look at that Chris Archer deal, the $3.5 million. Maybe Johnny Cueto demands a little closer to $10 million. But if the O's are willing to give $7 million to Jordan Lyles... I'd give $10 million in a heartbeat to Johnny Cueto to come pitch for the O's. And, you know, it's a one-year deal, and maybe he pitches well and you trade him at the deadline. Maybe he just pitches okay and he anchors, not anchors, but just helps as a veteran presence and throws innings for your rotation all year. But, you know, from, from seeing this pitching in spring training, which has been some positives, but looking at the moves made today and kind of Braddish and Alexander Wells out of the equation, 
you start to slim down the options who I mentioned. And it just feels like you know, you're going to need a guy like Cueto. And, you know, I think if you get one of these guys and either really doesn't work out, I don't think a DFA is the worst thing in the world, or it really does work out and you trade that player around the deadline and get a prospect, at the end of the day, you know, you don't even really need it because the Orioles, let's be honest, aren't going to be very competitive this year. You don't even really need that veteran solid pitcher presence for the whole year, but to start the year. Because these guys like Lowther and, you know, even Bradish when he comes up or Mike Bauman or whoever it may be, aren't going to be totally built up and ready to go. And they all took their lumps last year when they came to the big leagues. So I just feel like the Orioles can't go in and just kind of throw these guys to the wolves again. Give me another Johnny Cueto. At least give me a point where I can say, okay, John Means is an ace. He's at one. Jordan Lyles has been around the block at two. A Johnny Cueto type at three. Been around the block. He's probably honestly the two-starter if he comes in. Boom. Pitched in World Series. Been really good. We don't have to worry about him. Bruce Zimmerman at four. Zimmerman had the most success out of any of these younger guys last year. I trust him at four. Then you have the five spot can just be, that can be somebody maybe you throw to the Wolves. You're not too confident about, but you throw them out there. Or you have a six-man rotation at that point. You have two guys at the end, but you have four pitchers you can trust. That sounds way better than, I don't know about four, I don't know about five. We still don't completely know about Zimmerman. Maybe there's a sixth guy who's another question mark. I've talked about how there's got to be another pitcher coming in, and it can't be a Matt Harvey or a Wade LeBlanc type, who, by the way, are both still free agents. Don't do it, Michael Elias. But Johnny Cueto, do it. I think it makes too much sense. I thought Chris Archer made too much sense. He signs with the Twins. Another player the Twins have stolen from the Orioles in free agency this year. Johnny Cueto. I think it's a perfect fit to have in Baltimore to start this season. But that'll do it for today. We thank you so much for watching, for listening in. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that red subscribe button right there. Leave a comment. Give me your thoughts. Johnny Cueto to the Orioles. Would you be on board with that? Let me know in the comments section as well. We'll be back tomorrow, continuing with Orioles news and notes from spring training. Uh, these roster cuts are going to continue. Soon enough, we're going to get some minor league rosters. We'll break them down for all the Orioles minor league teams. Of course, next week, we'll get an opening day roster to break down. Uh, and later this week, we're also going to have Nathan Ruiz joining us on the podcast. That'll be Friday's episode, Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun. Uh, we're going to talk about all things down at camp as he's been down in Sarasota. So all that more coming up the rest of the week here on the pod, including tomorrow when we return. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.